1: You have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host.
2: Story
3: time.
2: Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project...
3: I am sending this experience and you will be the second person I have ever told about this. The first person went back here the summer after I told him about this and has never talked to me about my story or his trip back there. We slowly lost contact over time and I think this is the reason why. In 1978 I was elk hunting west of a town called Dubois, Wyoming. I was on my way back to town for a hot meal, gas, and to restock my food supplies, as I was camping in a tent in the backcountry. I was on the highway going west of town coming in and found a man wearing only hunting shoes, a heavy shirt, and a goose down vest. In Wyoming in the middle of October then this was definitely underdressed. The daytime temps were at a high of the 30s at best, and nights were in single digits or lower. Well, he got out on the road and started waving his arms wildly and begging to stop. I saw his eyes had a trail of tears on his face trailing down in the dirt on it. I pulled over to the side of the deserted road to see what his problem was, I thought it might be a wreck on the icy spots of the highway. Little did I know this would change my thinking and the way I hunted by myself forever. He ran to my side of the pickup and I could see he was very scared about something. He grasped the pickup and begged me with tears in his eyes to take him to town. I couldn't say no to this man. I asked him if he was in a wreck or something he said no just please get me out of here, I need to go somewhere safe. I thought it odd that he would say this and as I had my right hand on a pistol in my lap, guys you never know, I said to get in. He looked around at the tree line along the roadway and again ran to the passenger side of the pickup. As he was coming around the truck I put the pistol in a side pocket of the door and he got inside and locked the door and made sure the window was up again watching the tree line, go please was all he said. I started back towards town and I then noticed the scratches on his face, clothes, and hands, and his whole body was shaking. After we went a couple of miles he somewhat slowed down on rechecking the tree line and passenger rear view mirror. You okay? Buddy? I asked. He stared at me for many seconds and just broke down crying like a little kid. Yeah, But don't think I'm crazy man, I just had something happen and I ain't going back there for nothing. I hope the guys are okay. He composed himself some and started to explain. I am hunting here with two buddies and we always hunt below Brooks Lake when we come to Wyoming. Usually, we get elk or deer, never go home skunked here, just love it. I was going along a trail I had been on many times to get to a small overlook to sit a while. It was their turn to push the elk to me i was almost there when i walked past this stand of three trees close together and on the other side was this huge lizard it was standing easily over six half feet tall golden or bronze color with a vest and short metallic looking briefs i could tell it was a male i guess and he had a black thing in his clawed hand its eyes were like a cat's and it had a tail i just stood there with my rifle and my hands across my chest frozen kind of like I was looking into the face of death, I just knew it. I coughed a little and its arm with the black thing came up so fast I could hardly see it. Something hit my whole body from my feet to my head and I fell back on the ground, I dunno if I flew or fell I just went backward. It came slowly walking up to me I could hear it and could only move my eyes slightly as it came into view. It just looked down at me its mouth slightly open making a low hissing sound and its forked tongue slightly coming out of its mouth. Its head turned down looking at me and did this for a few minutes, I could hear it breathing, see the nose holes working, see its chest, muscles tensing and relaxing all over its body, I was just frozen there looking up, I couldn't look at it directly and I couldn't close my eyes very easy either. Its expression never changed only the eyes moved sometimes slow like sometimes so fast you could hardly see um. On its sleeveless shirt it had a kinda O with a smaller, screwy offset y and z I think, it finally walked away down the trail. I dunno how long I lay there, from the sun's movement it was maybe a couple of hours. I could hear the forest sounds, birds, wind, trees, and animals going about their day like nothing happened. I would use my arms or legs to move hell, even my fingers. When I could move every muscle in my body ached as I would use it, like after a workout at the gym or something. I knew if I went downhill I would come to the old creek bottom and hopefully not see him again. I did that, I followed it to the canyon bottom and then to the road and you. Thanks again, don't make me get out. I took off my coat, I guess I forgot my rifle, and cap, I don't need them. I hope Jake and Bobby are okay. I heard something following me when I first got up, it was really heavy sounding and would stop when I stopped and once or twice I could hear breathing like it did, kinda of a raspy wee sound. I would start running or walking again, but I couldn't rest. He told me which motel to let him off at and I did. He thanked me many times, got out, and went into the office. I never saw him again i thought about the fantastic story and wondered if true but it could be right i didn't hear anything about someone having problems anywhere around town that fall i asked about the man the next year at the motel no one could remember him and if anyone knew stories about the area i didn't get specific or anything i didn't press it my buddy whom i was close to and explored stuff like this at every opportunity was very interested in my story and the location He took off up there the next summer for a long weekend, I had to work so couldn't go. I didn't see him until a couple of weeks later. I asked him about it and what he found out. He looked at me and got very serious, dude, don't go up there, promise me, okay? That was all he said, I could tell he meant it. I would go with this guy sometimes and he was very analytical and professional when doing things like, taping sounds at cemeteries exploring ghost haunts, and others. He never acted scared at any time. I have never hunted or been on that side of the highway since then, but have talked to others who have seen large barefoot prints, strange flying stuff, or howls over the years since then around the Wind River Mountains for what it's worth. I do like to read about the unknown and sometimes explore it, but, and I mean but, if it just feels wrong before I start. i leave it alone. Now when I hunt anywhere I don't fear bears, wolves, or other people, but I am wary of what else might be out there, and always let someone know where I go and when I should be back. I have a story about something I heard that scared me terribly. I was on a student exchange program in the US, specifically New Mexico. I'm not from the US, by the way. Near the end of my stay, my host family, which included the dad, mom, me, and their two daughters decided to go camping. As it was getting dark, 16 year old me and the two daughters decided to climb a tree a bit away from the campsite. When we reached the top of the tree, we stopped dead in our tracks because of a sound I'll never forget. The youngest daughter, who was 14, was calling my name, which is a typical Dutch name, not something a New Mexico local would just shout, since they have trouble pronouncing it. The thing was, this girl was sitting just below me, not saying a word. We sat there as this thing, whatever it was, kept shouting my name in her voice for what felt like an eternity but was actually just 5 minutes. When it stopped, we bolted back to the campsite where the mom and dad were sitting, just enjoying the evening. But when we told them, The dad's face turned pale as a ghost, and he immediately told us to grab our things because we were leaving. Five minutes later, we were gone. To this day, I still have no idea what that was, and the dad never wanted to talk about it. Did I ever tell you about the time I was camping below the Salkantay Pass in Peru? We were set up in small tents inside a big tent roughly the size of a garage housing four smaller tents i was awoken late at night by something pushing against the entire side of my tent something big we were above 10,000 feet and my mind began to whirl with the worst possibilities it could be a puma some sort of bear are there bears here or something unknown like an andean yeti it began to grunt and i could hear really heavy breathing this thing had mass it was no human. I didn't want to wake everyone up with a yell. I'd try to be courteous, but more likely, I didn't want to one, look like a wimp to the other guys on the trek, or two, seem like a scaredy cat to the lovely women on the trek. I summoned my courage, took some deep breaths, and began to unzip my tent. I crawled out, and there I was, face to face with a huge, long-horned bovine. This cow stared at me in the darkness with blank black eyes. Having been raised on and around farms, I sat to read the animal's body language. It seemed relaxed and let out a snort. This had to be a domesticated animal, left by shepherds in the highlands to graze. Now, what to do? Using slow movements, I began, not quite cowboy singing to the little doggies on a drive, but variations on those sounds that every farmer makes when they want to get an animal to move. I guess the animal had entered the shelter to escape the cold and wind. Though I felt for this critter, I'd rather not sleep next to a 2,000-pound animal with just a thread of fabric between us. I slowly made my figure large and approached with arms wide. I slowly backed the bull out of the tent, a sort of reverse matador, and he complied. That is when I defeated the beast at Tenegra. I want to share an encounter that my cousin and I had in the summer of 1999, sometime between 10 and 11 PM. We were traveling southbound on I-49 towards Joplin, Missouri, and I was driving. I can't recall the exact location, but we weren't too far from Joplin. I noticed a tall figure suddenly running from the median to my left, then directly in front of my car. Both my cousin and I saw this human-like being, and we immediately said to each other that it looked like a gargoyle. The headlights illuminated the humanoid so clearly that we got a good look at it. This gargoyle was at least six and a half feet tall, with dark, leathery, hairless skin covering its body. It looked towards us, and its face had stark flattened features with large, deep-set eyes. It had large wings that lay flat on its back but were extended as it reached the other side of the highway. I believe the being was beginning to ascend into the air, above the field. The only comparison I had for the humanoid was a gargoyle. However, after watching the movie Jeepers Creepers following its release in 2001, I thought the humanoid was very similar to the creeper character my cousin and i kept quiet about the encounter until a few years later when i married my wife we both recounted the incident to her i'm grateful to be able to tell my story without someone thinking i'm crazy in june of 2012 on a weekend don and mary not their real names decided to go on a relaxing weekend drive through the rugged but beautiful countryside of Stone County, Arkansas, not far from their home in Batesville. They chose a route they had taken before, traveling north up Highway 5 between steep wooded bluffs. If it would help pinpoint the location, I remember there was a guardrail running along the opposite side of the road, and I looked on a map later and think we were just a little bit south of being straight west of Mount Olive. We were on a relatively straight, level stretch of road and I noticed something brown and upright off to the left between the guardrail and a steep bluff on the left-hand side of the road. It was about the color of a dead cedar tree that had not yet lost its needles, and at first glance I thought maybe that was what it was. But I quickly realized it was the wrong shape and too solid looking, if that makes any sense. At about that moment my wife said, what is that thing? As the witnesses drew closer to the mysterious object they came to realize what they were seeing, or at least were able to see it in more detail. It had thick brown hair a few inches long all over its body, except for on its face. I slowed way down and it stood there without moving, except for turning its head to watch us pass. I thought about stopping and if we would've had a camera with us I might've stopped long enough to try and get a picture, but we are not much for taking pictures and left our camera at home. Believe me, when we go for drives, since then it is right on the seat between us. A few direct questions resulted in a more detailed description of the creature observed by the couple. It was approximately six feet or slightly over in height, with a muscular build that led Don to compare it to a football linebacker or bodybuilder. The hair that covered its body was probably three to four inches in length, slightly longer on the lower arms and considerably so on the head. The eyes appeared to be a very dark brown and the skin exposed on the hairless portions of its face looked like a person that spent a lot of time out in the sun, tanned to the point of being more of a brown color and somewhat wrinkled. The lips were noticeably lighter in color and pinkish. It was the face that I remember most of all, Don told me. It looked so damned human. Yeah. It had that ridge above its eyes more like an ape or gorilla, but the eyes and the rest of the face showed a clear expression of intense curiosity. It was like he was just as interested in figuring out what we were as we were about him. There was no sign of fear or threatening at all. Another direct question elicited the fact that the shape of the head might have been rounded up just a little bit more, but was very much like a person. The couple had come to a complete stop when they got even with the creature, with no more than 25 feet or so between them. I have read about the foul odor mentioned more than once by Bigfoot witnesses, but we had the window down and there was very little breeze at the time. There either wasn't any odor or it was too slight to notice. They also reported no audible sound, such as a vocalization, coming from it. When asked, Don stated that they had done quite a bit of reading about Bigfoot on the internet since their experience but prior to it had only been vaguely aware of the phenomenon. When asked how the sighting ended, Don chuckled and said, it was almost like he got bored looking at us or decided we weren't going to get out of the way if he wanted to cross the road. He just turned around and walked off into the woods until we couldn't see him anymore. The amazing thing to me was that something so big could be so quiet. He barely made any sound at all. Don only expressed on regret involving the encounter, aside from not having a camera. If we had simply stopped to look at the scenery there would have been a car come up behind us in no time at all, so we would have to move on. But here we were wishing another witness would show up, and as far as other traffic we might as well have been on Mars. I went rv camping with a very large group a few years back there were probably 45 of us and the main campground was full of us when i and the two girls i was planning to share a trailer with pulled up no problem there were a few spots across the road near the river so we were by ourselves and the second night i was awakened by animals moving around outside our rv one of them growled and it sounded very much to me like a cougar I don't own a gun and i left my knife in the house so we were defenseless i woke up the girl sleeping closest to me thinking that the other girl probably wouldn't handle the situation well so my awake friend and i just prayed and sat there tense ready to fight for our lives until the cougars eventually went on their way it was a hellish night and i didn't sleep at all after that turned out The cougars were a couple of guys from the other campsite playing around making animal noises and mucking around our RV. We're all in our 30s, by the way. I'm not mad, but I'll never go camping again. Camped in the bottom of a valley with pretty steep rocky walls on either side on a backpacking trip in the sawtooths in Idaho. In the middle of the night we were all woken up by the sound of a rock slide, something that happens often in a place like that I'm sure. Not like a whole mountainside giving way or anything but at least a few large boulders tumbling down. We could hear them getting closer and closer, smashing through large trees and destroying everything in their path. Thought about running out of my tent but it was pitch black out and even if I had a clear view of the rocks I wouldn't be able to see them or where they were going decided there were no options with any better odds than just staying in my tent and hoping I picked a lucky spot. We couldn't find any signs in the morning and the rocks might not have gotten any close than a quarter mile for all I know, but that feeling of helplessness was pretty disturbing. The story I'm going to relate to you goes back to 1975. I'm like 10 years old and my grandfather was a scoutmaster, which means he trained Eagle Scouts. So he and a junior scoutmaster would take between 8 to 10 kids out in the woods for survival camping skills. I was known as Little Sherpa, which means I would carry my grandfather's camping gear in a duffel bag. We hiked up into the Spirit River nature area in Minnesota. It was about a 5 mile hike, and when we got there we were all exhausted. The Eagle Scouts-to-be would take their survival gear which consisted of a canteen of water, a knife, a flint bar, for fire starting, and a compass. They were dispatched in several directions and ordered to walk approximately a quarter mile away from the main campsite. Once gone my grandfather and the junior scoutmaster began having a conversation talking about this and that when suddenly there was a tremendous roaring scream that came from somewhere away from where we were. The sound was, I don't know, penetrating somehow. It seemed to come from all around us. My grandfather was a World War II vet and also an all-around tough guy, but whatever this was, I could tell it scared him. Even at 8 years old I knew this was something unusual. Suddenly, from what seemed to be all directions, these young Eagle Scouts-to-be came running back into the camp white-faced and generally freaked out. My grandfather decided that we should all stay in the main camp that night, and things died down for a moment or two, just kids talking wild stories, etc. Suddenly a shower of rocks and twigs and branches began to shower our general campsite. My grandfather picked up one of those old school flashlights that he had carried with him. It must have had eight batteries in it, read a newspaper on the moon kind of thing, and began shining it into the general forest all around us. The junior scoutmaster joined in with his flashlight as well but saw absolutely nothing. I do remember it being an awfully quiet night after that. Dead quiet. At what I would imagine to be around 2 o'clock in the morning we were all startled awake again by this guttural scream that seemed to pass through us like the concussion of a large firework. We did not get any sleep the rest of that night, and although this was supposed to be a three-day camping trip, it ended that next morning. And yes all of the Eagle Scouts were given their credits for their survival camp. Looking back on it many things have happened in my life that were weird, but that one will always stay with me. I have no idea what it could have been, and I've never heard anything even close to that awful sound. Thanks for your time. Met a couple of hippies by the river in Benares, India. We hit it off because I had tons of hash and they had all kinds of happy pills. One thing led to another and I agreed to go camping with them in the forest around Rishikesh, about 500 kilometers away. We pick up more people on the way. The company swells to about 13 people. This German woman leads us to a huge abandoned hut on the edge of the forest right next to river so we don't have to pitch camp. Which was good because most people didn't have camping gear. We all have a whale of a time and pass out. I wake up terrified coming down heavily from the high, in a negative trip. My heart is thumping out of my chest. I feel it's going to stop anytime. The walls are closing in on me. I look around and everybody is passed out or sleeping. I tried to wake almost everyone. No one moves. I think they are all dead and I am dying too. I freak the F out bawling my eyes out. I think I just dropped to the floor and waited for the end for god knows how long. When that didn't come I sat up and rolled a joint. That calmed me down. At least three other people who woke up later behaved just as I had. That was it. I stuck to weed for the remainder of the trip. It was October, the end of a very warm Indian summer a bunch of us kids sat milling around in a field behind a neighbor's house trying to decide what to do on such a boring lackluster day. As I was watching the sky, I noticed a bunch of buzzards which wasn't unusual, but what seemed weird was that they were circling around, attacking another very large bird. The buzzards were relentless dive-bombing this strange white-colored bird, which had to have had a wingspan of about 20 feet. Never have I ever seen such a large bird that never flapped its wings. Anyway, there were about six of us. We decided to go digging. Everyone scattered, running home to gather shovels, hoes, and even a pickaxe. This was California in 1964 in the small town of Danville. Population of just 6,000 people. To the west of us is Mount Tamalpais, a low-level, hilly ridge with a massive oak tree at the very top in the shape of a grizzly which we called the bear tree. Below, on the valley floor, meandered a small creek, Walnut Creek. It was a child's paradise filled with polywogs, small fish, and handmade rafts. Directly to the east lies the most distinctive geological feature of the east bay called Mount Diablo, a single mount rising nearly a mile high and filled with sandstone caves. It was the source of many legends of Native American inhabitants on the mountain performing pagan rituals. Well, we all rejoined in the field and commenced digging at an agreed-upon spot. Shovels, picks, and hose flailing, dirt flying in all directions and it was a wonder that no one was gouged to death. Then it happened. While I was using the shovel, jumping on the top of the blade, I hit something quite large and soft. The blade sank into this thing and blood started oozing out, covering the soil, forming a wet messy bog. We all jumped out of the hole we were digging in and tried to see what the object was. It was a toad but no ordinary toad. No sir, this toad had to be as large as the blade of my shovel. I was so upset and without saying goodbye, I turned around and headed home. It was that night that the idle life of this boy would take a very sinister turn. I shared a room with my younger brother. He had the upper bunk and I was on the lower of the wooden bunk. We turned in and I fell into a restless sleep when suddenly, startled, I awoke to see that in the dim light, what I can only describe as a very large hand, with three long fingers, right in my face. I quickly covered my head under the blanket when a swampy, sickly smell of blood assailed my senses. I let out a scream, jumped up, and started running. The house we lived in had three bedrooms, very long, with three bedrooms at one end, followed by a long hallway to the living room and kitchen. As I ran out of my room, I could see a light at the end of the hall where the door was located in the living room. I made for the light running as fast as I could but the faster I ran, the walls of the hall began extending forward. After what seemed like an eternity, I finally could not run anymore and as I collapsed I felt this giant hand around my legs start dragging me back to my room. It was very big. I was so terrified, I was paralyzed. Then this thing pushed me under the bed where my last memory was me peering out from the recess of the floor under the bed to see two large red slits looking back at me. For three straight nights, I endured this, what I assumed was a nightmare. After the third night, No more of the night terrors. But the funny thing was that after the third night, I awoke to find my entire body covered in warts. The doctor said he had never seen a case of warts as severe as mine. This is my true story. I was living in Brazil and a friend and I decided to do a one night out and back through mountainous rainforest terrain in one of the southern states. We mostly wanted to get some exercise and do a gear shakeout before going on a longer trip in Patagonia. The experience started out really tough. We were doing almost constant climbing and it was hot. Humidity was near 100% through lush vegetation. Eventually, we were pretty much in clouds and completely drenched from sweat and humidity. It was kind of hellish, soaked to the bone with no chance of drying out. Fortunately, at that altitude it gets below freezing frequently at night so there weren't many insects or animals only birds we hiked for probably eight hours with little progress it was slow going through tough terrain at early evening we came to a flat spot the first we'd seen in hours and decided to make camp as it was starting to pour i basically made camp in several inches of standing water i was beat anyway so i just sat in my tent reading Around 3 AM I woke to a girl singing in the distance. The singing kept coming closer, until she was singing right at our tents. She pushed past us and the singing drifted off. She was singing, maybe a lullaby, or children's song? About rain in Portuguese, but it sounded very strange. An hour later, I got woken up to the singing in the distance again. She was coming back towards us, singing the same rain song. As she passed us, I could hear a little exasperation in her voice. She continued singing and went back in the direction of the trailhead. Another hour later, I was again woken up by her singing as she was again coming back towards us, except now she was also crying. She continued to cry and sing as she moved past us for the final time. We woke up that morning, looked at each other, said what the F was that? And then got on our way. It was very eerie at the time and i don't have an explanation for it we were in an extremely isolated location and the trail was definitely only used by recreational hikers so i really can't say why this woman was out wandering singing and crying at 3 a.m back in the summer of 1997 I had a terrifying experience with what I now know to be the phenomenon known as the black-eyed people. At the time I had never heard of these beings and have been bothered by the experience for many years. It's only just occurred to me to scour the internet to see if anyone else has ever witnessed anything like it as I knew that I couldn't possibly be the only one that this has happened to. My encounter differs from any that I have now discovered so far as they were not trying to communicate with me but were rather trying to keep away from me. Believe me, I now know that that is a good thing. Also, it differs in the fact that my experience happened in broad daylight rather than late at night like the others I have read. It was a hot sunny summer day in 1997. I was about 15 at the time and was out with my friends. I live in a small town called Grantham in Lincolnshire in the UK. While out with my friends I was not far from my home and decided to go home to grab a quick drink and my two friends accompanied me down to my house and waited outside whilst I went in to have a drink of water. I was quite thirsty so quickly drank two pints of water and then went back outside. My friends had gone so I decided I would walk back to my friend's house which was around the other side of the block. As I walked up the path to the street, I happened to look about five houses down where my mom's friend lived. At the front of... Small details are big surfaces.
2: Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new custom spray five-in-one gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, Edges and curves, without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom spray five and one, only from Rustolium. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince has the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery, soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.
3: Her garden. She had a wooden fence at the time and a driveway on the furthest side of the garden. There was also a wooden fence, and just behind it, There were two very large conifer trees that overhung the fence. So looking down the street I saw two people backed up to the fence and the top of them was pushed back into the overhanging conifers so I only saw the two pairs of legs. Thinking that these were my friends messing around with me I started walking down towards them. As I got closer to them I shouted out, come on you two, I can see you hiding there. Thinking that they would come out laughing, I smiled to myself. But instead of coming out, they managed to jump up into the conifers, over the fence, and come out in my mum's friend's garden. At this point I was thinking how they could've done this because the foliage on the trees was pretty thick. They didn't stop there. They turned around towards the next garden and managed to climb over the 5 foot fence panel. As I watched them weirdly go over the panel I shouted again to stop messing around. I said that it was weird the way they got over the fence because it wasn't a hop or a jump. I can only describe it as lizard-like. That's the only way that comes to my mind to describe it. So I kept walking down the road and watched as they went over a 6 feet gate into the next door's back garden. So I thought to myself I know what to do. I would carry on walking and catch them when they come out of the next garden. I picked up my pace carried on and caught sight of them in the next garden and stopped dead in my tracks as I looked in horror at what I'd been chasing. They stood a few feet away from each other. One looked like a teenager. He was wearing the fashion of the time which was a blue puffer jacket that was zipped up. He was wearing jogging bottoms that had studs up the legs which were called poppers. Trainers. And a baseball cap. I didn't look at his face as the other one caught my attention nearly straight away. This one was much older. Very pale skin. The top of his head was completely bald but around the side of his head, he had long greasy black hair down to the middle of his back. He was wearing a long trench coat which went down to his ankles. He was wearing boots. His hands had long fingers that ended with sharp looking dirty nails. He had a big hooked nose and his eyes were pure black. It looked so evil. As my eyes met him it felt like time had stood still. Nothing was moving. Not a leaf. No breeze. Nobody else in the street. Silence. I couldn't move as I was paralyzed with fear and terror. I knew it was staring at me into my eyes, maybe into my soul. I stood rooted to the spot for what felt like hours but must have been maybe 5 minutes. I broke the eye contact turned and ran for what felt like my life back to my house. When I got indoors I sat down and cried like a big baby. I couldn't console myself. It took me a while to compose myself and tell my parents what had happened. They didn't know what to do. I sat down and drew what I had seen. I still have the drawing today. Not that I need it. That image is well and truly etched into my mind and I would probably draw the exact same one in another 30 years. I don't know what this thing is. It definitely was not human. Over the years it has played on my mind bringing many questions and no answers. I thought it was either an alien or demon or any monster in between. Some of the questions it's brought me apart from what is it. How did they climb the fence like they did? Why were they wearing large coats on a boiling hot day? After reading other accounts of them why were they out in the middle of the day on a normal street in a small town? Why did they run from me? I hope no one ever has the experience of these black-eyed beings and if you see one run for it. Yes. It turned out that my friends went straight back home when they left me. I was quite angry with them for a while and told them what had happened for them to laugh at me and think I was joking. I've never been more serious about anything. This is no laughing matter and I dread to think what could have happened if I hadn't run off. Please be aware of them and take care of yourself. This was not hiking, but it was in a remote place in the woods. My uncle built a house out on some acreage he has that is pretty far out there. There is not another house within two miles of his at least and most of that is woods and cow pastures. But, his place is beautiful. He built it all by hand and has a wonderful wraparound deck, perfect for family get-togethers. We were all out there, probably 20 adults and 5 or 6 kids, for a party one day. It was one of those summer times when it is blazing hot but the light breeze is cool enough you do not notice it after a while. I had been there hanging out all day when I was asked to run into town and grab some more groceries. So, I packed up and headed out. Got the groceries and everything was fine. As I drove back, it was starting to get dark and it was at a time of year when dark comes fast. It was pitch black out there when I finally arrived. As I pull up, I notice something is sitting in front of my car, facing the house. It was not disturbed by my headlights, but it does glance back at me once. It is a panther. Just chilling there, watching the party. And, as I sit there for a second, watching it, I notice that it has specifically placed itself near the edge where all the kids are running around. After I have my headlights on it for a minute or so, it kind of looked back at me again as if to say, okay, I was caught. Oh well. And then it gave the most human-looking sigh, And just walked off into the woods. I sat there for a bit before building myself up to getting out of my car and going to the party and telling everyone. We bought a little house down by the Loveland Castle Museum back in 2000. It was perched above a ravine and creek, and the back of the house dropped off very steeply. There would have been enough room for a man or a bipedal person to stand behind the house, but the basement windows were eye level and the first floor was quite far up from the place where one could stand. The reason I point this out is that because it was a very small house, we had to use the basement for our two boys bedroom. They kept complaining that something kept looking in the window at them and my husband and I laughed it off at first. It was a wooded setting, very rural and beautiful, and very dark at night, having no streetlights out there. So it seemed funny that they were thinking something was watching them. We just told them maybe it was a deer, they are plentiful in the fall, and what about our business? One night, however, I woke up hearing a weird sound just outside our bedroom window on the first floor. It faced out back of the house, and I was puzzled as to what it could be because it sounded like a man, breathing heavily. I started to sit up and realize that whatever it was, it was looking in my window, just inches from my head and I was terrified. I did not look out because I knew that I would see it and I kept feeling something urging me to look. We often would hear squeaking noises, screeching, not like an owl, and a crying baby. I woke my husband up and he said whatever it was, it would have had to be 10 feet tall to look in our window. I couldn't sleep that night but whatever had been there had moved on. I didn't mention it to the kids the next day. The boys came up from the basement, shaken from seeing the red, glowing eyes the night before. They were every bit as big as red road reflectors and they heard heavy breathing and the hair on their bodies stood up on end. This was only one experience we had out there in Loveland. It's right down by the Little Miami River, only a stone's throw. Many weird things out there, Green glows, orbs, something very large and black on top of the roof of the house very late at night, when light was shown on it, it did not go through whatever it was on the roof, and it looked like a huge, dark figure. I'd like to know if you have any more weird stories about this area. We moved a few miles away but still go past that area often. On January 12, 2006, the witness walked into his home to find a devil-like creature confronting his six-year-old Labrador dog. This creature seemed to be an unusual combination of a monkey, a dog, and the devil. Suddenly, it sprang to its hind legs and ran, nearly pushing us over to get to the open door I had just come through. This creature had long fangs, a monkey-like tail, and extremely bright glowing eyes. In another report, an Ohio woman driving through Roanoke, Virginia at about 2.30 a.m. reported a similar encounter in the late 1990s while driving on a dark road at night and forced to take a detour due to road construction. She had driven past a road sign that read, Red Wolf Crossing Close to Elizabeth City when a creature, which was not a wolf, leapt in front of her car. The creature was all black with very short sleek fur, pointy ears, and a long thin tail. She described it as cat-like, and yet not like any cat she had ever seen. The snout was flatter than a dog's and more like a cat's. The creature was very tall because she saw it when it was standing on its hind legs and was easily six feet tall. She indicated its torso looked very much like that of a very thin man and its head resembled a large monkey. Even though it was thin, it had muscular legs and arms. Later, The woman checked with the US game and wildlife department who told her there were no black wolves in the area but suggested she had seen a feral dog, feral meaning wild, or a wolf-dog hybrid. But the woman was emphatic it was not a wolf or dog. The woman explained the creature may have been on all fours just before leaping. The creature leapt with such force and height that it only took one bound to make it across both lanes of the highway. This indicates the creature leapt more than 18 feet or 6 meters to get across the road. Dogs and wolves do not leap this far in one jump. Even larger animals such as deer usually take several bounds to leap across a road. In 1974 I was outside playing in fields with friends when we heard strange sounds. The sounds seemed to come from nowhere then an object appears. It looks as if it is white silvery, undefined size but large window in front of it. It appears far away but a man is looking at us. He appears very close. Even now I can still visualize him, with white hair, and a white beard, wearing a kind of silvery suit. He is just watching us. We stand looking up. I don't know for how long, but remember that there was no fear. While looking at him we notice others are in the background behind the man. I had a feeling one was a woman but unsure. Then like a switch had been turned on myself and my friends started running away to our homes. We have never spoken of the events now or at the time, not a word like it didn't happen. I'm unsure how long we watched or were watched. This did not happen in the countryside by a large housing estate near Glasgow, Scotland. I always wondered who the man was and why was he watching us? So my fiancé and I have been on the lookout for a kitten to accompany our 3 month old kitten we have already. We searched and searched until one day he said to me, let's look on Craigslist so I did. We found the perfect one but the only problem was it was 2 hours and 30 minutes away from our home. I inquired about it at around 10.30 pm I know it was late. But almost immediately I got a response. She sounded very nice over text and asked to see where I lived so that she would feel settled about the kitten living with us. She also insisted on going to their house, I know. I should have just dropped it, at the time I thought nothing of it. So I sent them a video we sent up a time for the next day to meet. Next day came I wasn't going to take my fiancé but he insisted on coming with me because he wanted to be my protection in case since Craigslist is sketchy. So we drove 2 hours and 30 minutes on our way there. As we were on our way I was texting this girl that we would get there on time and she responded great see you then. We arrived at the home, me in the driver's seat and my fiancé in the passenger seat with the window down. I texted the girl and I got no response, I called and no response. I ended up calling five times and texting in the course of an hour and no response. I went up to the house and knocked on the door. Nothing. There was a car in the driveway but no response from the number or the door. We got there at 6.30 and waited until almost 8. Nothing. The neighbor came out asking what was wrong I said I'm here since I inquired about a kitten and she said, a kitten? I said. Yes it was an ad on Craigslist she said, no one has kittens in this home though I showed her the ad and she said oh, I know them. They are very sketchy people and they don't own any cats I just helped them move their furniture yesterday so I said, well on their ad it says that they have to get rid of their kittens since their new place doesn't allow pets. So th neighbor said, that's impossible I have a dog and so does the next door over. I immediately found this creepy and assumed the neighbor was also in on something since it was too creepy and I was feeling anxious. I thanked her and left along with my fiance. Literally immediately when we pulled out of the street I got a text from the girl saying, I'm just now getting your messages, something must be wrong with me phone. Did you still want the kitten or no? I didn't answer and we headed back home. What I don't understand is they didn't get any money from me, but they asked me to show up not knowing I'd be with my fiancé. I had a bad feeling about it? What did they want from me? I was desperate. I had recently been let go from my job as ACNA at the same place after 11 years. Not even a thank you. I was a young woman trying to make ends meet and thought I'd struck gold when I first read the posting on Craigslist. Caregiver needed for elderly couple, mostly for wife. Duties will include assisting with bathing and dressing. May also include some co-working and cleaning. Experiences preferred along with a kind heart and worker bee-like attitude. Good starting pay offered. Other than the obvious spelling mistakes the ad sounded perfect. I did wonder why they didn't ask for any references but at that point, I couldn't afford to be picky. My other efforts at finding work hadn't panned out at all. Within less than 24 hours after I applied I received a response back asking me to come out and meet them the next day. I checked my calendar and I was free. The town was basically one main road running straight through the center of town. There were a few homes on each side. A lot of them were multi-level homes. With some having yards that looked neglected and needed sprucing up, I pulled up to the house with the GPS blaring you have arrived at your destination. I got out of my car and took a moment to look around a bit more. As I was scanning my eyes meet those of an elderly man sitting in a chair on his front porch. I smiled and waved, but instead of returning the gesture he stared back at me with a blank expression. He had that thousand yard stare going and it made me shiver a bit despite it being quite warm outside. I didn't see anyone else out and heard no sounds except an occasional bird chirping somewhere unseen. There was an eerie calmness about the whole area. Answering the front door after several knocks was an elderly man. He introduced himself as Douglas. He welcomed me inside and asked me to take a seat in his living room. I sat down in an open chair with Douglas saying he'd be right back as he walked upstairs. I heard Douglas lose his footing a couple of times as I'd hear a thud on the wooden stairs every few steps. I got up and walked over to bottom of the stairs. Hey, are you okay sir? By the time I got over, I saw him disappear around the corner upstairs. He never did answer me. I retook my seat in the living room and looked around the place. The TV had some old game show on that I didn't recognize. I have to be honest the whole place looked a bit unkempt and dusty. And then there was the smell. It was something I couldn't quite put my finger on. Kind of musty like they hadn't opened the house up in a while. I sat and waited for a while. The whole time I thought I heard talking from upstairs even with the TV on. I'm guessing Douglas was talking to his wife. I wanted to get this going though. Lord knows I needed this job. Finally, after a while longer Douglas came back down, this time accompanied by his wife. Hello my dear, my name is Martha. How do you do? Her stuttering threw me off a bit. I extended my hand to shake hers but all she did was give me that familiar stare like the man outside did earlier. She turned to her husband and he simply nodded at her. She awkwardly extended her hand and we shook. I swear I could feel something tingling beneath the skin on her palm. Another shiver came over me. The three of us sat and talked for a bit, and I got mostly yes or no answers to my questions. Before I could ask about their lack of wanting any references I had nature calling me to find the bathroom. Martha directed me to one through the kitchen and down another hallway. Her instructions weren't too helpful but I eventually found it. The musty smell assaulted my nostrils as soon as I opened the door. Good God! I tried to cover my nose and mouth as best as I could. I thought about cracking the window but decided to get done and get out. When I opened the toilet I nearly hurled as another wave of stench hit me. What's worse was what was inside, bugs everywhere. Some looked dead but most were squirming around inside the water and the bowl. Many climbed over each other to get out as they fell out and came right at my feet. I stepped on a few and they crunched like dry leaves under my shoes. Hell! I pulled the door open so hard it slammed into the wall as I let go. I ran out into the hallway, ready to 1 apologize for slamming their door. And 2 let them know about their obvious bug problem. But I only made it a few feet when I stopped dead in my tracks. At the end of the long hallway was Martha. She was standing there, completely still. The lighting in the hallway wasn't too good so I could barely see her face, much less anything else. You okay Em, my dear? We heard you scream. Everything alright? Ah yeah, you guys have a lot of bugs in here. Maybe cockroaches, I couldn't tell. And I'm really sorry about the door. Don't worry about the door, my dear happens all the time come in the kitchen and we'll have some tea i really didn't like tea but i figured i needed to try and make up some ground with them after what just happened martha went into the kitchen and i soon followed she reached into the cabinets and was pulling out seemingly everything inside can i help you find something it was then i stopped talking and took a closer look at my surroundings on top of the cabinets on top of the refrigerator even on Martha's clothes. There were more bugs. Possibly hundreds of them, all with their little antennae slowly waving around. And many seemed to be looking right at me with large dark compound eyes. Martha, I started stepping out of the kitchen, back towards the living room. Back towards the front door. Yes dear? She was still fumbling around when she finally pulled out the tea kettle. Found it. I took a quick peek behind me and Douglas was nowhere to be seen. I turned back around to see Martha standing so close to me our noses almost touched. Ah! I fell, landing hard on my back. Martha stood over me and she had handfuls of the creatures crawling over her clothes and skin. Some fell off onto me and I tried to fling them off. Where are you going my dear? Don't you want some tea? As she spoke a couple of the things fell out of her mouth. I even saw a top tooth come out as well. I sprang to my feet and turned towards the door. And ran smack right into the thick frame of Douglas. I fell back again but not all the way over this time. I grabbed a chair for support and half kneeled as the two bodies of Douglas and Martha slowly advanced on me. It was at that point that something came over me and I made a split second decision. One that I would soon come to regret. I got to my feet and sprinted right past the both of them. I went between them as they tried to grab me and ended up falling into each other. I made it to the front door and reached for the handle. It took me a couple of seconds to realize there was no handle. I tried to find a way, any way to get the door open. Nothing would work. I frantically looked all around for some other way out. There was no way I was going into that kitchen or hallway again. I had only one choice the upstairs. I took the steps two at a time, almost slipping in the process twice. The upstairs was no better than downstairs. It was dark and musty. The smell. Oh god the smell was putrid. F. I covered my mouth and nose with one hand while I tried to open every door I came to. None of them opened but I swear each time I tried the handle on one I could hear muffled voices behind the door. They sounded like they were crying out for help. Finally the last door I came to swung open without effort. The room was small and set up up with only a single bed and mattress in it along with a nightstand. The bed was currently unoccupied. And the windows. Both windows had bars crudely placed over them. I just caught my breath when I was shoved down hard from behind. This one's for you. I turned my head to see Douglas standing over me. I swear he had a look of satisfaction on his face. Martha followed behind him. They always run. So predictable. She looked down at me and then Douglas before turning back to head down the hall. I'll get that tea ready since you'll be staying with us now. She laughed in a strange way that sounded forced like it was foreign to her. I turned back to Douglas who had now crouched down beside me. Well let's get you comfortable in the bed. Our brothers and sisters are waiting. He pointed with both index fingers to the empty room. That's when I heard sounds like a million nails scratching at the inside of the walls. Scratching to get out and get to me. He dragged me over to the bed even as I tried to resist. I had lost the will to fight as soon as I had entered this room. This had been their plan the whole time, and I walked right into it. God only knows how many others they had trapped in here. Douglas threw me onto the bed hard and we struggled against one another. He held my arms tight and sat on my pelvis to hold me down. Now darling it'll only hurt for a moment. He leaned over me a bit and opened his mouth wide. That's when I heard his jaw pop out of place. I could hear a loud hissing noise from down in his throat. Then I saw them making their way up and out of his mouth. 2 thick and hairy long antennae. They moved about wildly as the head of some godforsaken monster pushed its way up through his throat. As this was happening I could feel his hold on me lessen up a bit. I searched all around me for anything. To my left sitting on the nightstand was a lamp. It wasn't plugged in. So with everything I had I pushed Douglas off of me and onto the floor. At that moment the head of the thing had started to emerge. I saw two huge and dark compound eyes look at me before I took the lamp and smashed it. I don't know maybe a dozen times until it stopped squealing and was nothing more than a bloody pulp on the floor. I was angry now, and I wanted payback. Still holding the lamp I took off into the hallway and crept down the stairs until I reached the bottom. I heard Martha, still in the kitchen fumbling around. I made my way towards her, stopping just before the open doorway. Martha was trying to hum some tune, albeit offbeat and she had her back to me. I ran in, gripping the lamp in both hands. Here's your goddamn tea. I smacked her upside the head and she fell down into the cabinet's heart. Her whole body started to convulse as I dropped the lamp and ran to the hallway. The one I said I'd never go back down again. I remembered now the bathroom had a window. I opened the bathroom door and saw my chance at escaping this place. And much to my surprise, there wasn't a bug in sight. I forced the window open and pushed the screen. I climbed out and ran through the tall grass and weeds right to my car. That's when I saw them. People standing in front of their homes. Most of them elderly, some young. But all were standing and looking right at me. Then they all opened their mouths and started emitting a collective hissing noise. It was so loud and awful I had to cover my ears as I got into my car. I floored it in reverse with all the people still standing, and now pointing at me. As I drove away I looked and saw the man I had waved at earlier when I arrived in town. He was waving back this time and had the fakest looking half smile I'd ever seen. His waving arm fell off at the shoulder and he looked down at it. I turned away in disgust and never looked back. When I was sure I was safe and far enough away I stopped and called the police from a gas station I found. It was a neighboring police department and they said they'd look into it right away. When they questioned me two days later back at my apartment they told me the whole town had been abandoned. There was no trace of anybody. Homes left empty, some still with the TVs on. I asked about any people trapped in the house I was at. The officer just shook his head silently. It took a while but I did find another job at an assisted living facility. This one I applied for in person though. And I'm happy to say it's a great place, a bit of a drive but it's worth it. No bugs as far as I can tell. I just wanna leave you with this warning though. Those things, whatever they were, are still out there somewhere. I don't know what they are or where they came from. And I think I made a mistake by killing what was inside of Douglas. At night I can hear the sounds of scratching in my walls. It's my turn for payback. So watch out for news of strange disappearances in your area. And if you ever see a posting like the one I did on Craigslist or anywhere else, take my advice. Avoid them at all cost. I have to go now. The scratching is getting louder. Found a PS3 a while back on there for a decent price, with an extra controller and like one game. I had an old fat one, and this was a. We're slim one. Messaged them a price and we agreed. Few hours later I find out I don't have as much as I thought I did so I contact them again and we go with a lower price. They agree. We meet at a McDonald's outside the mall a little away from where I live. They didn't really act strange but seemed a little fast. I only got to look at the system for a moment before their husband pulled up to pick them up. Gave them the money and took the system it was in a bag. They left. I decide to get some food at the McDonald's for breakfast, and take a look at the system. The controllers are all broken in some way, and the system has pry marks on the spots to open it. Power cord is also melted or cut up on the end to fit into the system. I use a micro screw driver set in my trunk to open the hard drive bay, and find it has the wrong size drive and it says nerf on it, which I took to mean bad. When I get home I open the system up, now curious. It's been gutted. weights added to the inside of it. Contact the police, nothing they can do since it's would be a small claims thing. Since I have a cell number I pay $1 online to get a name for the number I have google the name and find their facebook search and find their address contact them they well and scream and hang up contact a few others to call them they play dumb send them another text explaining that i am starting what i need to do for a small claims court which is a certified letter giving them 10 days they respond with wasn't them and that they'd borrowed their cell phone to a random stranger on the street for a day yeah okay continue to tell me they have a kid and would never risk something like this. Then they cease all contact with me. I mail my letter, explains what I'm doing, have it set where I get a slip confirming they have received it. They contact me, still saying it wasn't them, but they will pay me. We meet, it's them, they pay me my money back. This took over a month to get done, I've just left out time frames. Next time I bought a console, Got a backwards compatible PS3 for $100, on there I took a TV, games to try, and a power converter for my car battery to test it.